Chapters 19 and 20 of Lena Rivers by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 19. The Visit Mrs. Graham reclined upon a softly cushioned sofa, her tasteful lace morning cap half falling from her head, and her rich cashmere gown flowing open so as to reveal the flounced cambric skirt which her sewing girl had sat up till midnight to finish. A pair of delicate French slippers pinched rather than grazed her fat foot, one of which angrily beat the carpet as if keeping time to its mistress's thoughts. Nervous and uncomfortable was the lady of Woodlawn this morning, for she had just passed through a little conjugal scene with her husband, whom she had called a brute, lamenting the dispensation of providence which took from her her beloved Sir Arthur, who always thought whatever she said was right, and ending by throwing herself in the most theatrical manner upon the sofa in the parlour, where, with both her blood and temper at a boiling heat, she lay when her waiting-maid, but recently purchased, announced the approach of a carriage. "'Mercy!' exclaimed the distressed lady whose is it i hope no one will ask for me reckon how it's master livingstone's carriage cause thar's tom on the box answered the girl who had her own private reason for knowing tom at any distance mrs livingstone i'll venture to say groaned mrs graham burying her lace cap and flaxen hair still farther in the silken cushions just because i stopped there a few days last summer she thinks she must run here every week and there's no way of escaping her do shut that blind it lets in so much light there would you think i'd been crying lor no returned the stupid servant lor no i should sooner think your eyes and face were swelled with pison the lord help me exclaimed mrs graham you don't begin to know as much as poor charlotte did she was a jewel and i don't see anything what she wanted to die for just as i had got her well trained but that's all the thanks i ever get for my goodness now go quick and tell her i've got an excruciating headache if you please miss said the girl trying in vain to master the big word if you please give me something shorter cause i done forget that our sartin fool idiot exclaimed mrs graham hurling for want of something better one of her satin slippers at the woolly head which dodged out of the door in time to avoid it is your mistress at home asked mrs livingstone and martha uncertain what answer she was to make replied yes no i don't know cause she done drive me out before i'd knowed whether she was at home or not martha show the lady this way called out mrs graham who was listening ah mrs livingstone is it you i'm glad to see you said she half rising and shading her swollen eyes with her hand as if the least effort were painful you must excuse my dishabille for i'm suffering from a bad headache and when martha said some one had come i thought at first i could not see them but you are always welcome how have you been this long time and why have you neglected me so when you know how i must feel the change from louisville where i was constantly in society to this dreary neighbourhood and the lady lay back upon the sofa exhausted with and astonished at her own eloquence mrs livingstone was quite delighted with her friend's unusual cordiality and seating herself in the large easy-chair began to make herself very agreeable offering to bathe mrs graham's aching head which kind offer the lady declined bethinking herself of sundry grey hairs which a close inspection would single out from among her flaxen tresses 
are your family all well she asked to which mrs livingstone replied that they were at the same time speaking of her extreme loneliness since mabel left them ah you mean the little dark-eyed brunette whom i saw with you at my party she was a nice-looking girl showed that she came of a good family i think everything of that i believe i'd rather durward would marry a poor aristocrat than a wealthy plebeian one whose family were low and obscure mrs livingstone wondered what she thought of her family the livingstones the richards blood she knew was good but the nichols was rather doubtful still she would for once make the best of it so she hastened to say that few american ladies were so fortunate as mrs graham had been in marrying a nobleman in this country we have no nobility you know said she and any one who gets rich and into good society is classed with the first yes i know returned mrs graham but in my mind there's a great difference now mr graham's ancestors boast of the best blood of south carolina while my family everybody knows was one of the first in virginia so if durward had been mr graham's son instead of sir arthur's i should be just as proud of him just as particular whom he married certainly answered mrs livingstone a little piqued for there was something in mrs graham's manner which annoyed her certainly i understand you i neither married a nobleman nor one of the best bloods of south carolina and still i should not be willing for my son to marry let me see well say lena rivers lena rivers repeated mrs graham why i would not suffer durwood to look at her if i could help it she's of a horribly low family on both sides as i am told this was a home thrust which mrs livingstone could not endure quietly and as she had no wish to defend the royalty of a family which she herself despised she determined to avenge the insult by making her companion as uncomfortable as possible so she said perhaps you are not aware that your son's attentions to this same lena rivers are becoming somewhat marked no i was not aware of it and the greenish-gray eyes fastened inquiringly upon mrs livingstone who continued it is nevertheless true and as i can appreciate your feelings i thought it might not be out of place for me to warn you thank you returned mrs graham now raising herself upon her elbow thank you but do you know anything positive what has durward done lena is in frankfort now at mr douglas's answered mrs livingstone and your son is in the constant habit of visiting there besides that he invited her to ride with him when they all went to frankfort lena upon the grey pony which your husband gave her as a christmas present mrs livingstone had touched the right spot twas the first intimation of vesta which mrs graham had received and now sitting bolt upright she demanded what mrs livingstone meant my husband give lena rivers a pony harry graham do such a thing it can't be possible there must be some mistake i think not returned mrs livingstone your son came over with it saying it was a present from his father who sent it together with his compliments back among her cushions tumbled mrs graham moaning groaning and pronouncing herself wholly heartbroken i knew he was bad said she but i never dreamed it had come to this and i might have known it too for from the moment he first saw that girl he acted like a crazy creature talks about her in his sleep wants me to adopt her keeps his eyes on her every minute when he's where she is and to crown all without consulting me his lawful wife he has made her a present which must have cost more than a hundred dollars and she accepted it 
the vixen that's the worst feature in the case said mrs livingstone i have always been suspicious of lena knowing what her mother was but i must confess i did not think her quite so presumptuous as to accept so costly a present from a gentleman and a married one too but she has a peculiar way of making them think what she does is right and neither my husband nor john jr can see any impropriety in her keeping vesta carrie wouldn't have done such a thing indeed she wouldn't she is too well-bred for that said mrs graham who had been completely won by carrie's soft speeches and fawning manner this compliment to her daughter pleased mrs livingstone who straightway proceeded to build carrie up still higher by pulling lena down accordingly every little thing which she could remember and many which she could not were told in an aggravated manner until quite a case was made out and lena would never have recognized herself in the artful designing creature which her aunt kindly pictured her to be of course said she if you ever repeat this you will not use my name for as she is my husband's niece it will not look well in me to be proclaiming her vices except in cases where i think it my duty mrs graham was too much absorbed in her own reflections to make a reply and as mrs livingstone saw that her company was hardly desired she soon arose to go asking mrs graham why she did not oftener visit maple grove when mrs graham felt uncomfortable she liked to make others so too and to her friend's question she answered i may as well be plain as not and to tell you the truth i should enjoy visiting you very much were it not for one thing that mother of yours of my husband's interrupted mrs livingstone and mrs graham continued just where she left off annoys me exceedingly by eternally tracing in me a resemblance to some down-east creature or other what is her name sco sco scovendike yes that's it scovendike of course it's not pleasant for me to be told every time i meet your mother mr livingstone's mother again interrupted the lady that i look like some of her acquaintances for i contend that families of high birth bear with them marks which cannot be mistaken certainly certainly said mrs livingstone adding that she was herself continually annoyed by mrs nichols's vulgarity but her husband insisted that she should come to the table so what could she do and mutually troubled the one about her husband and the other about her husband's mother the two amiable ladies parted scarcely was mrs livingstone gone when mr graham entered the room finding his wife who had heard his footsteps in violent hysterics he had seen her so too often to be alarmed and was about to pull the bell rope when she found voice to bid him desist saying it was himself who was killing her by inches and that the sooner she was dead the better she supposed he would like it but for my sake she added in a kind of howl between crying and scolding do try to behave yourself during the short time i have to live and not go to giving away ponies and mercy knows what now mr graham was not conscious of having looked at a lady except through the window for many days and when his wife first attacked him he was at a great loss to understand but as she proceeded it all became plain and on the whole he felt glad that the worst was over he would not acknowledge even to himself that he was afraid of his wife and still he had a little rather she would not always know what he did he supposed as a matter of course that she would earlier or later hear of his present to lena and he well knew that such an event would surely be followed by a storm but after what had taken place between them that morning he did not expect so much feeling for he had thought her wrath nearly expended 
but mrs graham was capable of great things as she proved on this occasion taunting her husband with his preference for lena accusing him of loving her better than he did herself and asking him plainly if it were not so say she continued stamping her foot the one without a slipper say i will be answered don't you like lena better than you do me mr graham was provoked beyond endurance and to the twice repeated question he at length replied god knows i've far more reason to love her than i have you at the same moment he left the room in time to avoid a sight of the collapsed state into which his horrified wife who did not expect such an answer had fallen can i tell her or dare i tell her he thought as he wiped the drops of perspiration from his brow and groaned in the bitterness of his spirit terribly was he expiating his fault but at last he grew calmer and cowardice for he was cowardly as he had never been what he was whispered wait yet a while anything for domestic peace so the secret was buried still deeper in his bosom he never thinking how his conduct would in the end injure the young girl dearer to him far than his own life while he sat thus alone in his room and as his wife lay upon her sofa durward entered the parlour and began good-humouredly to rally his mother upon her woe-begone face asking what was the matter now oh you poor boy you she sobbed you'll soon have no mother to go to but you must attribute my death wholly to your stepfather who alone will be to blame for making you an orphan durward knew his mother well and he thought he knew his father too and while he respected him he blamed her for the unreasonable whims of which he was becoming weary he knew there had been a jar in the morning but he had supposed that settled and now when he found his mother ten times worse than ever he felt half vexed and said do be a woman mother and not give way to such fancies i really wonder father shows as much patience with you as he does for you make our home very unpleasant and really he continued in a laughing tone if this goes on much longer i shall in self-defence get me a wife and home of my own and if report is true that wife will be lena rivers said mrs graham in order to try him very likely i can't tell what may be was his answer to which mrs graham replied that it would be extremely pleasant to marry a bride with whom one's father was in love how ridiculous durward exclaimed as though my father cared aught for lena except to admire her for her beauty and agreeable manners but he's acknowledged it he's just told me god knew he loved her better than he did me what do you think of that did mr graham say that asked durward looking his mother directly in the face yes he did not fifteen minutes before you came in and it's not a secret either others know it and talk about it think of his giving her that pony durward was taken by surprise knowing none of the circumstances he felt deeply pained at his father's remark he had always supposed he liked lena and he was glad of it too but to love her more than his own wife was a different thing and for the first time in his life durward distrusted his father still lena was not to blame there was comfort in that and that very afternoon found him again at her side admiring her more and more and learning each time he saw her to love her better and she she dared not confess to herself how dear he was to her she dared not hope her affection was returned she could not think of the disappointment the future might bring so she lived in the present waiting anxiously for his coming and striving hard to do the things which she thought would please him best 
true to her promise mabel had commenced giving her instructions upon the piano and they were in the midst of their first lesson when who should walk in but m dupont bowing and saying he had been hired by one nice gentleman to give mademoiselle rivers lessons in musique lena immediately thought of her uncle who had once proposed her sharing in the instructions of her cousin but who as usual was overruled by his wife twas my uncle was it not she asked of dupont who replied i promise not to tell he say though he connected with mademoiselle and lena thinking it was of course mr livingstone who on his wife's account wished it a secret readily consented to receive dupont as a teacher in place of mabel who still expressed her willingness to assist her whenever it was necessary naturally fond of music lena's improvement was rapid and when she found how gratified durward appeared she redoubled her exertions practising always five and sometimes six hours a day twenty a father's love when it was known at maple grove that lena was taking lessons of dupont it was naturally supposed that mabel as she had first proposed paid the bills mighty kind in her and no mistake said john jr throwing aside the stump of a cigar which he had been smoking and thinking to himself that mabel was a nice girl after all the next day finding the time hang heavily upon his hands he suddenly wondered why he had never thought to call upon lena to be sure i'll feel awfully to go where nelly used to be and know she is not there but it's lonesomer than a graveyard here and i'm bound to do something so saying he mounted firelock and started off followed by no regrets from his mother's or sisters for since nelly went away he had been intolerably cross and fault-finding he found a servant in the door so he was saved the trouble of ringing and entering unannounced walked noiselessly to the parlour door which was ajar lena as usual sat at the piano wholly absorbed while over her bent mabel who was assisting her in the lesson speaking encouragingly and patiently helping her through all the difficult places mabel's health was improved since first we saw her and though she was still plain ugly many would say there was something pleasing in her face and in the expression of her black eyes which looked down so kindly upon lena john jr noticed it and never before had mabel appeared to so good advantage to him as she did at that moment as he watched her through the open door at last the lesson was finished and rising up lena said i know i should never learn if it were not for you at the same time winding her arm about mabel's neck and kissing her glowing cheek let me have a share of that exclaimed john jr stepping forward and clasping both the girls in his arms ere they were aware of his presence with a gay laugh they shook him off and lena leading him to the sofa sat down beside him asking numerous questions about home and her grandmother john answered them all and then oh how he longed to ask if there had come any tidings of the absent one but he would not she had left him of her own accord and he had sworn never to inquire for her so he sat gazing dreamily upon her piano the chair she used to occupy and the books she used to read until lena either divining his thoughts or fancying he would wish to know said we've not heard from nelly since she left us you didn't expect to so soon i suppose was john's indifferent reply why no not unless they chanced to speak a ship i wish they'd taken a steamer instead of a sailing vessel said lena i suppose mr wilbur had an eye upon the long cosy chats he could have with nelly looking out upon the sea was john's answer while mabel quickly rejoined that he had chosen a sailing vessel solely on mary's account in the midst of their conversation the door-bell rang and a moment after durward was ushered into the parlour he was in town on business he said and thought he would call 
scarcely had he taken his seat when again the door opened this time admitting mr graham who was returning from louisville and had also found it convenient to call involuntarily durward glanced toward lena but her face was as calm and unruffled as if the visitor had been her uncle all right there thought he and withdrawing his eyes from her he fixed them upon his father who he fancied seemed somewhat disconcerted when he saw him there mentally blaming himself for the distrust which he felt rising within him he still determined to watch and judge for himself how far his mother's suspicions were correct taking up a book which lay near he pretended to be reading while all the time his thoughts were elsewhere it was lena's lesson-day and ere long dupont came in appearing both pleased and surprised when he saw mr graham i hope you don't expect me to expose my ignorance before all these people said lena as dupont motioned her to the stool suppose we adjourn to another room said mabel leading the way and followed by john jr only durward at first thought of leaving also and arose to do so but on observing that his father showed no intention of going he resumed his seat and book poring over the latter as intently as if it had not been the wrong side up does monsieur incline to stay asked dupont as mr graham took his station at the end of the piano certainly answered mr graham unless miss rivers insists upon my leaving which i'm sure she would not do if she knew how much interest i take in her progress so during the entire lesson mr graham stood there his eyes fixed upon lena with a look which puzzled durward who from behind his book was watching him admiration affection pity and remorse all seemed mingled in the expression of his face and as durward watched he felt that there was something which he could not fathom i never knew he was so fond of music thought he i mean to put him to the test accordingly when dupont was gone he asked mabel who he knew was an excellent pianist to favor him with one of her very best pieces something lively and new which will wake us up said he mabel would greatly have preferred remaining with john jr but she was habitually polite always playing when invited and now taking her seat at the piano she brought out sounds far different from those of a new performer but mr graham if he heard it did not heed it his eyes and ears being alone for lena seating himself near her he commenced talking to her in an undertone apparently oblivious to everything else around him and it was not until durward twice asked how he liked mabel's playing that he heard a note then starting up and going toward the instrument he said ah yes that was a fine march twas the rainbow scottish then new please repeat it or something just like it durward bit his lip while mabel in perfect good humour dashed off into a spirited quick-step receiving but little attention from mr graham who seemed in a strange mood to-day scribbling upon a piece of white paper which lay upon the piano and of which durward managed to get possession finding thereon the name helena nichols to which was added that of rivers the nichols being crossed out it would seem as if both father and son were determined each to outstay the other for hour after hour went by and neither spoke of leaving although john jr had been gone some time at last as the sun was setting durward arose to go asking if his father contemplated spending the night and if so said he with a meaning in his manner where shall i tell my mother i left you this roused mr graham who said he was only waiting for his son to start adding that he could not find it in his heart to tear him away from two so agreeable ladies for he well remembered the weakness of his own youth in your second youth now i fancy thought durward watching him as he bade lena and mabel good-bye and not failing to see how much longer he held the hand of the former than he did of the latter 
does she see as i do or not thought he as he took the hand his father dropped and looked earnestly into the clear brown eyes which returned his inquiring glance with one open and innocent as a little child all right here again thought durward slightly pressing the soft warm hand he held in his own and smiling down upon her when he saw how quickly that pressure brought the tell-tale blood to her cheek durward said mr graham after they were out of the city i have a request to make of you well the answer was very short and it was several minutes ere mr graham again spoke you know your mother as well as i do well another silence and mr graham continued you know how groundlessly jealous she is of me and it may be just as well for her not to know that here he paused and durward finished the sentence for him just as well for her not to know that you've spent the afternoon with lena rivers is that it that's it yes yes answered mr graham adding ere durward had time to utter the angry words which he felt rising within him i wish you'd marry lena this was so sudden so different from anything which durward had expected that he was taken quite by surprise and it was some little time ere he answered perhaps i shall i wish you would continued mr graham i'd willingly give every dollar i'm worth for the privilege of calling her my daughter durward was confounded and knew not what to think if his father had an undue regard for lena why should he wish to see her the wife of another and that other his son was it his better and nobler nature struggling to save her from evil which prompted the wish durward hoped so he believed so and the confidence which had so recently been shaken was fully restored when by the light of the hall lamp at home he saw how white and almost ghostly was the face which ere they entered the drawing-room turned imploringly upon him asking him to be careful mrs graham had been in a fit of the sulks ever since the morning of mrs livingstone's call and now though she had not seen her husband for several days she merely held out her hand turning her head meantime and replying to his questions in a low quiet kind of a much injured woman way as provoking as it was uncalled for father's suggestion was a good one thought durward when he had retired to rest lena is too beautiful to be alone in the world i will propose to her at once and she will thus be out of danger but what should he do with her should he bring her there to woodlawn where scarcely a day passed without some domestic storm no his home should be full of sunlight of music and flowers where no angry word or darkening frown could ever find entrance and thus dreaming of a blissful future when lena should be his bride he fell asleep End of chapters nineteen and twenty